everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, John Sekatowski, our director of kids ministries, and Jill Reese, who is not Nick's assistant anymore, but is still on staff doing project coordination for Nick. They're going to talk about how to move away from repression as a way to deal with our emotions and what healthy suppression looks like. About halfway through, Nick will leave, and John and Jill will talk about their personal experiences with repression and how counseling, friends, and other resources have helped them become unrepressed. You can find links to the books that they found helpful in the show notes. As always, if you have any questions or feedback from listening to this episode, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Engage and Equip. My name is Nick Gibson. I'm here with John Sikotowski. Hey. And Jill Reese. Hello. And we are going to talk about the subject of being, of being suppressed, not repressed. And that has nothing to do with firearms. So uh, one of the things I talked about in a in a sermon a while back was that there's a big difference between having our suppressing our emotions, that is, not blowing up at people and stabbing them, like mm-hmm. acting in antisocial ways because we have certain feelings, mm-hmm. as opposed to being repressed, which is not allowing ourselves to even know how we really feel. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a form of self-denial. Yep. And that suppression is absolutely necessary for any human being in any social situation or anyone who lives any kind of productive life at all. Repression is an unhealthy thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that tends to lead to real problems in people's lives. Increasingly, as they get older, it seems um, they see, it seems to be more and more of a problem. And um, it seems to very much inhibit people's spiritual growth in my experience. Yeah. Um, And so uh, let me, uh, let me give a quick example of this. So we're going to give a couple examples of us being repressed. I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about a few things that over the years I've tried to say to help people Mm -hmm. with this. And then I'll probably going to step out and you guys are going to continue with some stuff that you've learned. Great. Great. Right. Okay. Great. So um, we had prayer meeting last night, uh, two nights ago at high point. And I knew either that night or very soon after I was going to be in a hospital room with a family taking their one year old off of life support. And I thought, one of the things I think about that is, is that if you're a pastor and you go into a family and you are with them while they watch their child die, you should cry. Mm-hmm. If you don't cry, that's bad. There's something really profane mm-hmm. about that because something horrible is happening. Mm-hmm. Something so heart-wrenching. And if you, right? So I actually had a couple people pray for me, but listen, I, I need to be able to connect with the, the part of me that realizes how awful this is and mm-hmm. to connect that on a really deep sense. I need to be able to cry. And so um, I, I had a couple of people pray for me and it was really, it was a meaningful moment. And then the other night, like I was literally last night, I was there and it was horrible and also very beautiful mm-hmm. the way this family handled it and the way the, the UW Children's Hospital staff that worked with her handled it. Mm-hmm. The nurses were so fantastic. And um, I didn't cry when I thought I would, but I like it was there, but just a little, like not enough. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like I was really feeling everything for mm-hmm. what it really meant. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just hate that. And I, yeah. I know that that's not God's will for me. Mm-hmm. I know that that's, he wants me to weep with those who weep. And instead I dribbled with those who weep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the two nurses who I don't, I don't know that they're believers. I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, I mean, they were with this kid for 10 months. Okay. So mm-hmm. they were more invested, but they just, they were holding each other crying, mm-hmm. you know, which was so beautiful. Actually, one of the things that really made me start to cry. Yeah. But, that ability to emote with other people is fundamental to loving other people, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the the verse in John 10, I think it's 45, where it's the whole verse is Jesus wept, and it's really easy to memorize that verse. But, like, I think that's a really important verse. Yeah. Yeah. Je- I think Jesus, and Jesus even knew he was going to raise Lazarus from, the, from right. the dead. Yeah. But Mary is crying, and he just cries. Because death is sad. Because death is sad so and horrible. Cr- yeah, and, he and hates she it. was so hurt, and yeah. Lazarus was going to die again. You know, like, mm-hmm. and so I feel like this is not just psychobabble. I don't like on one level repression is kind of a psychology word. I do not think this is psychobabble. I think that I think that it is a plan of the devil for us to put us out of relationship with ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by separating our minds from our feelings, so that we can't really take the full 
inheritance of learning and all the, all the growth we try to do with our minds. I think what ends up happening is we come out of relationship with ourselves in a way that Jesus never was. Mm-hmm. And I think God wants to restore. Mm-hmm. And I think teaching Christians how to try to pursue that is important. Yeah. 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 That's integrity is being one with yourself and being undivided. That's a part of integrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys want to tell short stories about how you are terribly social, like emotionally repressed people? John, you can go first. <laughs> and or why. Just deciding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can, so I can start. So some of my, some of my dealing with this has come from um, a, a really helpful framework that I found that at least um, that helped me put words to kind of the path I was already on hmm. was using the Enneagram. Um, which some people have strong feelings about positively (laughs) or negatively. Um, but I found it to at least be helpful as a, as a tool to understand the, the direction that felt like God was already taking me in. Yeah. So for our listeners, the Enneagram is a personality typing Mm -hmm. sort of tool that was actually created by Christian monks. Is this correct? A long, yeah. A long long centuries ago to help people understand kind of their personality how it would function if it was functioning in a godly or healthy way, mm-hmm. and then how you it tended to function when it went bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by understanding this, you could pursue with spiritual direction godliness. Right. 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 And there's eight personalities. Nine. Nine. Types, Nine personality yeah. types. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that was really that I found really helpful about the enneagram was that it did set out a path. Right. Like you're saying that it, it's unlike other sort of personality tests that are like this is what you are. This right. is it's the, neither good nor bad. Even right. If you right. lie a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. The it's thing you are. that's helpful about the enneagram is it says here's probably the things that you'll be prone to that aren't good right. that you're yeah. going to need to grow. It has through. a good framework for sin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I found it to be a very helpful framework. So for me, um, on that particular framework, I am a type three with a four wing. And so what that means is the type three is very like success and image and uh, performance driven. Mm-hmm. And then a type four is very like, Artists are type four, so like very authentic, very authentic, very like focused on the authentic experience. And so, what can tend to happen is the the associated typical vice with an enneagram three is lying, because <laughs> you want to appear impressive to people, mm-hmm. so you just twist language in such a way that it appears like you're more impressive. And then the um, the three wing, you convince yourself you're not lying because you're being authentic. Right, exactly. It's, or or <laughs> it's or you feel this like disconnect of, yeah. ah, I want to yes. be authentic and I'm not being, and I hate it. And, yeah. it. and so then it like creates this inward self oh, despising I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so part of how this played out for me was, was right. When I, as I was growing up, I was a mm. pathological liar. Mm. Like I would lie all the time about experiences that I had or mm. things that I was thinking or like, I remember when I was, when I was 12 years old, in order to try and impress a friend of mine, I, my cousin had just gone skydiving a couple weeks before this and she was 18. So like you could legally go skydiving at that age, but I was 12 years old. I thought it was cool. I wanted to impress my friend because I felt this like threat of, okay, if I don't, if I'm not constantly mm-hmm. impressing people or constantly saying the right thing to people, then I'm not going to be like relationship is going to break with this person. So I like lied to this guy and his mom saying that I, you know, I just gone skydiving and it's like, yeah, I'm sure they read right through that. But anyways, some of how that came about was, um, I grew up in a household that was, that was normal in a lot of ways. But one thing in particular was, um, there was just a lot of yelling in our household. And oftentimes like before me and my sister would be heading off to school, my sister would be crying about something that my parents had yelled about. And I was oftentimes playing, almost like a middle child role where I was trying to like calm my, I'm the oldest child. Yep. So I was like trying to calm my sister and like say the right things Mm. to my parents to make them not be upset. And, um, it created this thing in me where I just started to shut down my emotions Mm. because when I was expressing what I truly felt, which is like, right. When I would cry, that would just, it felt like that sort of mm-hmm. perpetuated the cycle. There's no room in that situation for you to have emotions. Right. right. Yeah, right. there's too many already. Right. Yeah. And so I remember coming into college and having this deep sense of, I have no idea who I am mm. because I'm just this outward persona that I'm putting up for other people to see. And I, I was like, is there any depth at all mm. in here? Like, is there anything that I actually feel that I'm actually doing because I believe it, that I'm actually convicted by? Um, so that was, 
really that that even like realizing that that was happening was much of what started to draw me to Christ in college mm. um, was I, I remember going to crew meetings and seeing these people who knew one another actually and actually cared about one another. And I was like, there is something going on here mm-hmm. that I do not fully understand. Um, so that is, I guess a little bit of the story of yeah, how I got. Yeah. Cause if you don't know your feelings, mm-hmm. you don't know who you are. Right. Not really. Mm-hmm. And you, and then it's easy for you to put on some kind of false self. Right. And then that, for that to then confirm, like have a confirming mm-hmm. circular right. positive feedback right. loop where, yeah, there's this great section in the screw tape letters where the demon screw tape is telling this other demon how to destroy this Christian man. He's like, just, just try to get him to do stuff. He doesn't really like because he likes it. Mm-hmm. Get him to talk, eat the right. finest food right. and to read the most approved books. And right. just don't, whatever you do, don't have him do anything because he genuinely intrinsically likes it even like eating tripe mm-hmm. you know yeah. he's like i distrust honesty in every form mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's there are ways in which repression leads to dishonesty it is mm-hmm. fundamentally dishonesty because you won't let yourself yeah. know who you and what yeah. you are yeah and then it leads it must lead to a false self right and then you mm-hmm. get increasingly invested in that false self right and it becomes harder and harder to break with it and mm-hmm. I, so yeah, we want to deal with this as early as we can don't wait Till you're having panic attacks in your 40s, right? Mm-hmm. Like deal with it, or in, never crying. Unless you're 40 situations. right now. If you're 40 right, right now, then right. deal with it in your 40s. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're 22 right now, deal with it right, right. now. Right. Yeah, right. I connected a lot with the the character of the tragedian from um, the Great Divorce. The great divorce like yeah. mm. right, that it was, you know, like I I mine didn't manifest in the same way that it did in that book, but it was this idea of like, okay, there's this this sort of false self that every time that this guy is sort of feeding it, it grows and grows and grows and grows until the man himself disappears Mm. um, and is eventually consumed by the, by like the persona that's been created. Mm. And I, I felt that way coming into college where it was like, I don't exist. Like just what Mm. I'm showing to people is the thing that exists. And like every moment of my life is a lie. So one of the, when I started to do, counseling related to some of this stuff the uh the word that was used like the at least the counseling word that was put on this was sort of trauma splitting Hmm. and this this sense of like at when trauma happens you can you can have this split self where Mm -hmm. it's like on the one side there is the quote-unquote real you and then on the other side there's the quote-unquote sort of outer you that Mm -hmm. you're that you're letting other people see um and i remember it took me until probably a year and a half ago to start to actually be able to receive compliments well because up until that point, it was like, well, are you complimenting me? Are you complimenting mm-hmm. the ways that I'm presenting myself to you? You don't know, so I refuse to accept your compliments. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it, it felt like in the last probably year and a half, and this this felt like a really great confirmation of of this move towards integrity was the mm-hmm. thing that was in my mind as I was trying to grow in be in becoming unrepressed was um, it felt like a great confirmation to to hear somebody compliment me and be like yes you are actually saying something that is true about me mm-hmm. because it's I'm really I'm showing you the true me mm-hmm. well and yeah. if they compliment your false self it's an enslaving event right yes. because it, right. you have to because now you have to be more committed yes. to the false self right. that got you the compliment yeah. right yeah. all right you're very fascinating john wheels we have to move on to jill <laughs> great jill do you want to yeah i will i will start um because you started with the enneagram i will also start there because i also like the enneagram um so i'm either an eight wing nine or a nine wing eight i feel very split between both of them um and so an eight um the drive, the motivation in an eight is to be strong and not weak. So very in control and very strong. And that's what you're presenting to the world. And really inside you feel like really afraid that everyone's going to find out how weak you are. And then uh, with the nine, um, some of that for me is feeling not worthy of love as myself. And so the nine will sometimes just kind of adopt personalities of other people. Um, But for me, it really plays out as this fear that like, if someone really knows me, I'm going to be too much or not enough or Mm -hmm. something like that. So, um, the reason that all of that is, there was a very critical event in my family. When I was three, I had, I was sick in the hospital with leukemia and I was in the hospital for about six weeks. And, um, I, I remember, I don't remember people being there or explaining to me what was happening, even Mm -hmm. though I knew, 
somehow probably just from picking up stuff that I could die. So I kind of knew what that was. It felt like this huge, scary thing that I didn't really understand. I didn't feel like people were there with me. And then at the same time, my family was moving into a new house that I hadn't, I don't remember seeing it yet. I just knew they were moving. And my sister, I'm the oldest, and there was like another sis, I have a, my sister was born and she was young. And so it kind of felt like I was replaced. Like I caused all this pain and was like too much to handle. And then like people just weren't there even when they should have been. <laughs> um, and like I said, I, I, or I didn't say this yet, but I don't know what actually happened. Those are yeah. the things I remember. So just to cut my family some slack, it was hard for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has just led to me feeling like when I feel thing, I'm always like metering out, like how much can I show people and how much can I express? Because if it's too much, they might just leave and not be there. Um, and there's just been a, a, a couple of big confirming events throughout my life too, that have confirmed that lie. And so I'm just this locked fortress that I'm trying to mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to let the walls down a little bit yeah. um in recent years so yeah okay so one of the things that we we talk about a little bit is that the, the scripture seems to ha- teach that there is a identity that is in us mm-hmm. that is not simply our conscious mind mm. um that the image of God is deep in us it goes all the way down to wherever we go and so that even our like most primal desires for acceptance or mm-hmm. belonging or union or uh, affirmation or whatever actually come from a place that's deeper than than the thoughts we're thinking, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to be unconscious of it. In fact, for right. I thought we were fully unconscious of it, but I think scripturally we can know who and what we are, mm-hmm. so that where that's coming from isn't unpredictable or unknowable. Mm-hmm. Right? We have these like I tend to call them primal, our primal self. Mm-hmm. I don't say that because I believe that it's coming from your lizard brain. Like I don't, ex- I don't tend to explain it evolutionarily. I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily against that, but there's a part of us that's more primal. It's the thing that in us. So I think having kids is a good example of this. <laughs> like there's a part of you that wants to have children, and mm-hmm. I think that's the very primal self. You want to pass something on. You want to continue to mm-hmm. exist through them. You want. You, you kind of want this to happen. And then in your mm-hmm. conscious mind, you're like, this is going to be expensive. They're going to wake me up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Who would want children, right? Mm-hmm. And it like, you can just, you can almost feel that palpable difference. Um, but I think that's actually true for almost everything. And mm-hmm. I, I think when, when I talk about having an integrity of your of self related to becoming unrepressed, I mean, something like being in touch with your feelings such that you're uniting your deepest being with your conscious self. Mm-hmm. That, that those that primal self of yours isn't controlled that is repressed by your conscious mind yeah mm-hmm. it is only suppressed mm-hmm. and directed by your conscious mind does that make sense mm-hmm. and I think that is an extremely important distinction mm-hmm. to suppress the primal self is to destroy yourself slowly to mm-hmm. to repress it yeah. to suppress it is just to not kill people when you're angry. Right. Like it's 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 to use what the Bible calls self control or yeah. discipline. Right. Mm-hmm. And self control is critical. You can't have godliness without self control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But self control is not the same thing as not allowing yourself to know what you really should know about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And how you mm-hmm. feel. All right. So I we don't, I'm, I can only be here a few more minutes before yep. you guys talk about this. So I want to go through a list of things that I have over the last few years in particular used as exercises with people to kind of enter mm-hmm. into this mm-hmm. stuff. And I, the reason why I wanted to do something like this at our podcast is I think High Point Church draws a disproportionate number of emotionally repressed people because we tended to bring educated, pretty conscious people, people who think mm-hmm. abstractly use their minds mm-hmm. a lot, and they use their minds to control their work world and most of the things in their life. And it becomes just sort of natural to use that to control your feelings. Mm-hmm. I.e. suppress them. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people at High Point that are pretty emotionally suppressed. Mm -hmm. Repressed? Repressed, sorry. Repressed. And I think in other places where people aren't like that, I think that the problem they usually face is is that they're not properly suppressing their feelings. Mm -hmm. So you have some people who are like just completely out of control. Mm -hmm. And there are churches that that are... that are among these sort of like quote uncultivated folks, people who haven't been taught mm-hmm. how to suppress their feel their their reactions, and so mm-hmm. you've got these churches where self control is the main thing people need to learn. They know how they feel, mm-hmm. and they let everybody else know it, and they just mm-hmm. and they and they act very explosively and destructively, and they need to learn how to in self control suppress certain things. Mm-hmm. When you get like middle class people or quote cultured or cultivated people, these are people who have mastered the regulation of how they mm-hmm. should behave. Mm-hmm. 
But in order to not experience the tumult of feeling inside of them, the hurt and pain and desire and right, they they control the inside by suppressing those emotions or re- repressing those emotions instead of just suppressing them mm-hmm. when they should. Does that make sense? And so when they should be able to release those emotions, like in weeping with those who weep right right they're just not there right mm-hmm. they there's they've they've dammed up the stream and it can't flow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. okay so here are some of the things i'm going to just read through them kind of quickly great and then you guys can talk about yeah. them mm-hmm. does that make sense yep. okay makes one sense. is feel the feelings when they come do not put them off so like if you start feeling angry don't repress it don't be like i'm not angry just be like just acknowledge I read one author says just like you welcome it in like a guest into your house. Don't do what it says, mm-hmm. but be, but acknowledge that you're angry, feel the anger and acknowledge why you're angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it's likely you're going to have to say in your anger, do not sin. Mm-hmm. So anger, you don't get to tell me what to do, but I acknowledge you. I know you're there. I feel that. Right. So right. I've, I can't tell you how many teenagers even I've been like, look, you need to start feeling your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like especially these high achieving kids that want to go to good colleges, they have no idea how they feel. And I'm just like, look, you need to stop. And there's one girl who's who was like, she was a lifeguard, and she was like, she she was like, I was in the, you know, the buoy room just crying. I was trying to do this thing you're saying, and like, <laughs> you know, she's really struggling with her relationship with her parents. And yeah. and I was like, good, yeah, mm-hmm. good, go cry for three or four mm-hmm. minutes because like, feeling an emotion actually doesn't take very long. Mm-hmm. Right. It Once actually happens pretty fast. For a few minutes, it's done. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just let yourself and, and like after you do that for a while, you won't have to work so hard at it. Mm-hmm. But like if you're repressed, you need to, every time an emotion comes up, you need to welcome it. Like it's like if it would be like if you lived on a block and everybody thought you were unhospitable, unhus- nobody wanted to come to your house. Yeah. Anytime somebody comes to your house, you like roll out the red carpet. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my gosh, please come in. I've got this special homebrew and let's, mm-hmm. if you want some bacon, you know, like do everything you can because people have learned not to come around. Right. 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 That's a good that analogy. Sense? Yeah. All right. So a second is um, welcome feelings you should have felt, mm-hmm. especially laments and hurts that you've denied. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, third, I didn't put on this list. So can you type this in while I'm doing this? Um, third is... Um, follow the trail of your anxieties and depressions. So like one of the things I've struggled with over the last five years, but I've had this just very on and off over time is I have four stress symptoms Mm. of anxiety that will come up from time to time. And they are, they aren't just, I'm working hard. They are emotionally. Mm -hmm. I'm repressing how stressed I feel and how anxious I feel, but I don't feel it. I have repressed that. I don't feel anxious because (laughs) anxiety is weakness. Hmm. Right. But when my eye starts twitching or I start getting that little pain on the right side of my chest, I'm like, oh, I do. I feel anxious. Mm-hmm. I know it. Like when that happens, you've got to respond to it. Mm-hmm. You have to stop and say, why am I feeling this way? Am I doing exactly what I should mm-hmm. be doing? Like, why do I, right? Sometimes you need a counselor to pursue that. Sometimes you really don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need to do the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The main reason why people don't improve in counseling, John, you and I, have, we've all talked about this. Mm-hmm is usually not the incompetence of the counselor right. and is not usually not the complexity of the problem mm-hmm. of the patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the failure of the patient to do the hard work mm-hmm. of doing what the counselor tells them to do, of like right. working through the problem. We talk right. about, well, I'm working through this. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Virtually no one is actually working through anything. Mm-hmm. They, they wish they could float through it, mm-hmm. but they're not actually working through it. And that that lie that people tell themselves that they're working through something when they really aren't doing the work mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why people don't improve. You guys can right. probably talk about that too. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, okay. So follow the anxieties and depressions Four, stop rationalizing away feelings as impractical or useless. I can't tell you how many people are hurt. They're talking to me. They're telling me how they're hurt a little bit. And then they just close it down and say, there's no use thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And I, and I say to them, yes, there is. You sh- feelings are for being felt. So like you need to feel the, those feelings. You need to don't, don't say, well, that's, it's completely impractical to feel traumatized. Mm -hmm. Well, in some ways it's relatively impractical to feel traumatized, but if you've been traumatized, then you need to feel it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like when you feel yourself saying to yourself, well, there's no use in feeling this way. There's no use in, there's like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my kids has started, has had started saying that every time, that, that my kid was having an emotional reaction to something 
and knew that the, that the kid couldn't get the resolution they really wanted, mm-hmm. they would just say, well, it doesn't matter. And I was like, you need to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. That is going to really hurt you in the long run. It does matter. It matters a lot. And maybe what you want done is going to be frustrated, right? But don't handle it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. just going to shut yourself down and right. that's not good. Um, yeah, I, I have one kid who has a lot of emotion and she, she wants to control it by repressing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of suppressing, because suppression is actually harder than repression. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And and I'm just praying for her, and I'm working with her, and she's mm-hmm. amazing, and I think she's doing better and better, and I know she's going to be like this great emotion filled self controlled adult, mm-hmm. but she's working mm-hmm. at it, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth is um, listen open heartedly to labeling. What I mean by that is like when you share what's going on with somebody else, mm-hmm. and that person emotes back at you the the healthy human emotion especially if you feel anything when they do it mm-hmm. like feel that feeling right like don't be like no it's not that so yeah. I, let me give you a quick example of this i was on a phone call with a young man who um had had a mentor for a while he did something that really disappointed his mentor i don't really think it should have disappointed his mentor mm-hmm. but it apparently it did and the guy just like turned him loose just cut him out mm-hmm. right and this is a guy who like um, doesn't have a have a lot of relationship with his dad, right? And so he's telling me about this. He's like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? So I, I gave him some advice. I said, but let's, let's stop. I need to say something to you. This man should not have treated you this way. Hmm. It was wrong. And it, and and it, and in your heart, it probably is a confirmation mm-hmm. because your dad should not have treated you that way. Mm-hmm. Your dad should never have treated you that way. This man should not have treated you that way. You are a worthwhile young man. You are worth being invested in. God has a plan for you, right? And so I'm saying that I can I can hear him starting to choke up on the phone mm-hmm. and trying to shut it down because mm-hmm. he's a strong guy who has the answers, who's going somewhere with his life. You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, you need, listen, I said, not right now, but later on today, you need to shut yourself up, sir. You need to feel that. You need to cry. You need to let it wash over you. And you need to know that that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And then you need to preach the gospel to yourself that your greater father has never abandoned you, that he will be your mentor. He will provide people who care mm-hmm. about you, right? And I just thought that was super important. Mm-hmm. Like when sometimes you need other people to initiate yeah. the emotional response by telling you what you wouldn't perceive because yeah. it's not just that you've repressed your emotions, you've actually shut down your sensors. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other person has to be that sensor for you and then that sometimes will turn on your emotion. It'll trigger yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And when somebody else triggers that, you got to go with it. Yeah. Gives you permission. Yeah. 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 This is very helpful. I had a couple of mentors mm-hmm. who were very good at doing this and it was very, very yeah. helpful for me because, because right. Initially I didn't really know what direction to go right. and, and being able to follow that feeling that yeah. like, Oh, they're hitting on something was, was very helpful. Yeah. 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 Okay. I got to go in just two minutes. So I want to, mm-hmm. you guys can talk about a lot mm-hmm. more. Yep. A six is um, if you still have strong negative feelings, when you remember an event mm-hmm. from the past, that's more than 14 to 18 months old. It's not resolved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a helpful way to think about this is a way I heard Jordan Peterson talk about one time. He said, he said, if that, if your mind has tagged that it's because your primal self feels like if that happened again, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. You didn't handle it well then mm-hmm. and nothing has changed. You won't handle it well now. Either you're going to lack the courage or the competence mm-hmm. to handle it. You either won't be brave enough. You won't be able to respond. You'll be too emotionally weak or you'll be too incapable you won't know what to do mm-hmm. and he's and he's like you gotta go and take that thing and sometimes if you actually track through the past events that you have those negative feelings towards mm-hmm. it's there's a theme mm-hmm. and so your mind has tracked those as exam- confirming right. examples yeah. of mm-hmm. this is who and what we are here yep. and we're not better right we're yep. st- we're still weak we're vulnerable because you remember that because of you your heart believes it's a vulnerability mm-hmm. you don't feel secure mm-hmm. and so you got to look at that and be like Am I courageous? Am I competent? Am I ready for that? Can I? Right. And then you, that's, that's the work you have to do because mm-hmm. the answer might be no. Mm-hmm. And you might have to pursue a certain kind of virtue, a certain mm-hmm. kind of wisdom, a certain kind of growth until you, and then you keep going back to that and praying through it until your primal self becomes more and more convinced that you are ready. Right. You are going to yeah. be fine. Right. You have grown. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. And then seven is dreams. I know this sounds like, may sound like psychobabbly to some people, but listen, <laughs> I read this in Carl Jung, and I, th- I really think it's correct mm-hmm. that people who, a certain kind, there's a certain kind of people, that's what he called excessively conscious, meaning mm-hmm. that you control your life through your conscious mind. And 
your conscious mind is so strong and so activated, act, active that it controls your emotions and your primal self. It exerts not in a mutual loving relationship like a husband and a wife, mm-hmm. which is I think what really should be happening, but instead it controls your primal self. Mm-hmm. It doesn't let your primal self talk. When you fall asleep and your conscious mind can't exert that control, mm-hmm. your primal mind comes out and, and, and plays in your dreams mm-hmm. and shows you how you really feel. When you wake up, write that down because mm-hmm. you forget it you forget it really fast mm-hmm. and your conscious mind erases it really fast is right. i think why, one of the reasons and you got it you write it down and usually you will know what's emotionally important and oftentimes the primal message is extremely clear mm-hmm. yeah it's often insecurity mm-hmm. that you feel insecure but it's gonna be one of those primal things mm-hmm. is my life worthwhile am i secure and it's like it's a very simple message right. but if it's there you're like oh deep down i feel insecure Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm living securely. I act, I'm acting like I'm secure. I'm telling myself in my conscious mind I'm secure, but in my heart of hearts, in my deepest primal self, I don't feel secure. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. weak. I feel like people don't love me. I feel like something like that, right? And you're like, so how do I deal with that deeper issue? Mm-hmm. I need to quit lying to myself, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so dream. I think dreams are really helpful. Write them down. They're usually mm-hmm. pretty. And then A is we got this from Jay Stringer in his book Unwanted, where he mm-hmm. talks especially about unwanted sexual behavior. Instead of looking at something you do that's sinful and say, I'm such a terrible person, I'm such a dirty person, I'm such a disgusting person, and like sort of reprimand yourself, he, he says something like, ask that thing, the question, why are you, why do I need you? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? So he talks about um, talking to men who have porn, pornogra- uh, pornographic addictions, and he says, um, they say, well, I, I'm addicted to porn. And, he, and his first question is, okay, what kind? Mm-hmm. because what he's found out in his research is that men with different backgrounds and different problems and different hurts actually pursue different kinds of pornography mm-hmm. and actually your fantasies and your sin will actually lead you. If you let them, God will use them to lead you to the party that's broken. Mm-hmm. Because remember mm-hmm. God, right. the purpose of God's preemptive forgiveness is so that he can walk with you in your sin. Yeah. Right. So that he can save you ultimately. But the reason why he saves you while you're still a sinner is so that he can walk with you in your sin, not to condone it, but to lead you kind of through it mm-hmm. and talk to you in it. And so mm-hmm. in your sin, Jesus can still be your guide. The spirit can still be your mm-hmm. guide and say, why are we here again? Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you really looking for right. when you come here? And you can say, well, I, I don't know, I, I, mm-hmm. but I need to know the answer to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think your sin and your fantasies and even, even like what Jay Stringer says, even the kind of pornography you've pursued, even something as gross as that, um, is still revelatory. Mm-hmm. It will still lead you to the truth. Yep. So, so those are the, now none of those are like literally from verses of the Bible. There are other, some other things that I, we do from verses like directly from the Bible and like different spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. but those are pretty well known. The realize the reason why we're talking about other stuff right this minute is because, um, this, the spiritual disciplines are pretty known. And mm-hmm. these often are not. And so giving mm-hmm. people exercises to to take into prayer mm-hmm. and yeah. to take into their journaling right. and to right. even take into their counselors mm-hmm. um, and say, this is how I'm working through this. And then, mm-hmm. and then pray and be like, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is how I'm thinking. Can you help me? Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would say lastly, um, when you, oftentimes when you deal with sin, you're, it's going to affect something emotionally. Yeah. And so just confronting sin and pursuing godliness is going to bring up some mm-hmm. of the stuff because you're going to hit these roadblocks when you, mm-hmm. when you hit roadblocks and you're like, well, why can't I do this? Right. And the answer is something is inhibiting it. And that's, that thing is something you don't know about. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's something you don't know about, it's probably something that's in your primal self that you're oppressing. That's why you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to so, know about it. Right. You don't want to know about <laughs> right. it. And right. so yeah. that's one of the reasons why the truth always precedes godliness. Mm-hmm. And part of the truth is learning stuff about ourselves we never wanted to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But knowing that God can bring an incredible amount of freedom through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right, all cool. Right. That's it for Thanks, me. Thanks, Nick. So um, these guys, I'm sure these guys are going to, I can't wait to listen to all the brilliant things you guys are going <laughs> to say about this. I just thought, and my last thing I want to say is this is so worthwhile. Yeah. Um, it's so worthwhile to pursue the deepest communion with God, the deepest integrity in yourself the deepest fullness of the Holy Spirit's work in you and the strength, the oak of righteousness you can become mm-hmm. has to be built on a foundation that has integrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we won't, when we won't know ourselves 
as whole human beings, the foundation of our godliness is cracked. Mm-hmm. And you, we just can't grow like we need to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Great. Have fun. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. So now that Nick is gone, um, John and I have both. Now we can cut loose. <laughs> just wait. Um, so both of us have talked with Nick and asked for counsel in this area. And so mm-hmm. that's why we're here. We're going to go back through the list and share some examples that are hopefully helpful for you as you start doing this yourself um, mm-hmm. or help other people through this process. And so we're just going to go back through the list that Nick mentioned and then maybe mention a few things at the end too. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So um, the first one is feeling the feelings when they come. Um, John, did you have anything about this? Um, I don't, I can't think of anything in particular okay. that was, I mean, obviously, right. Right. Do it. it <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, yeah, yeah, there are a couple, there are a couple later on in this okay. list that were, that were specifically very helpful to me. Okay. Um, and that wasn't one that stuck yeah. out. Really, but. I have examples that are sort of embarrassing about this, but might be helpful to just encourage you to do it. Yeah. So I guess to frame this a little bit is to, I think what's helpful about, or what, what hopefully you'll get yes. out of this as Jill and I are going through this mm-hmm. is you've gotten from Nick sort of the, okay, here's the idea mm-hmm. of how it could work out generally. But then um, Jill and I have seen some of these things really specifically be helpful in our lives. Yes. Um, so we're going to go through these and give some just kind of testimony mm-hmm. of how these things have actually worked mm-hmm. in our lives. And hopefully that'll be helpful to you as you think about how they might be applied to your life. Um, yeah. Taking the sort of theological concept and putting yep. it into, this is how this might be practical in my mm-hmm. in the work of actually doing it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to combine one and two. Two is also is one is feel the feelings when they come. Two is welcome feelings you should have felt. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, for a little bit of context, I've been going to trauma counseling for about a year now, and it's been very helpful. I recommend that if you have experienced trauma. But I still was feeling this disconnect. Um. John, you shared about that in your mm-hmm. story too, but I was still feeling this disconnect spiritually, like things would happen and I would deflect and I would repress and I knew it was happening, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, I didn't know how to make myself do the thing. So I talked with Nick about this and um, for feeling the feelings, um, there's been examples where I've felt like I won't cry in counseling. So if you're going to counseling and not getting anywhere emotionally there, that was happening to me. I would not cry in counseling, but I would be in random situations and just feel like I needed to sob. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's awkward to do that normally. (laughs) So, um, so that was, I was trying to figure out how to do that. One example was we were in, um, we do Nick sometimes does staff trainings with, um, this well with the staff obviously and one of them was we were going through Ephesians and working on exegesis and there was something that happened I didn't even know in the moment what it was that made me like flood which is a term where you feel all these strong emotions from a past event basically mm-hmm. in the present because you're triggered um so I literally just started crying like it was I wasn't loud but I was like there were lots of tears mm-hmm. and I, we, I was just sitting in this room. I, John, you were there probably. Um, it, if you don't remember that, I is, don't remember. I don't, so, I'm not offended. I was trying to make sure I that did people, miss some of them. So <laughs> <laughs> I also was trying not, not to make a right. scene right. and I thought about leaving, but part of, for me, for my story is that I can't, I really struggle expressing emotion in front of other people. Mm. And so here I was in this room filled with people who I know really well and I had to cry a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here and cry. And if someone asks about it, I'm just going to say I'm okay because that's true. But I'm just sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, it, I won't die by expressing my emotion in front of other people. That can be, that that <laughs> statement can be a very helpful statement. Yes. Um, to, yeah, in when confronting fear, whether that would be right. right crying in front of people or things like that. It's like, okay, what's what's the worst going to happen? Right. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. So it's going to be okay. It was fine. Yeah. And Nick did ask me and I said I was okay and it, life moved on mm-hmm. and it was okay. Um, and so there's been moments where I've just had to go feel the feelings, whether around people or other people and or around people or not. And um, it's been very helpful for me. Um, the second one is welcome feelings you should have felt. And so mm-hmm. that gets back at the flooding experience for me where those are feelings I should have felt when mm-hmm. I was a child probably. Right. And I didn't. Right. And so now they have to get out. Like, And I've in my experience, as I've let them out, they don't come back as strongly each time at mm-hmm. least. So mm-hmm. start now. Yeah. Let them out. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, number three, follow the trails of your anxieties and depressions. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this is one that I found really helpful for me. Um, so some of the, as I explained earlier, some of my story um, comes in, right, trying to like deal with high emotion situations mm-hmm. by repressing my own mm-hmm. and just trying to sort of like tend to the various people and make them laugh and not mm. and stop keep it light right keep yeah. it light stuff like that and um and then the other way that this has tended to manifest itself right is this sense of okay people won't care about me if i'm not really successful mm. or really interesting or whatever um and so that second one is primarily the place that anxieties have come out mm. is this is this like feeling of oh i don't want to have an awkward interaction with somebody because then what if they think i'm lame or i don't want to be not funny or i don't want to be not interesting or i don't want to be not impressive and so it was very helpful to me to realize um that i was feeling those anxieties and then to follow those into the place of okay the reason i'm feeling this anxiety is because uh in some way people have become a threat to me Hmm. because um if i appear like if I appear a certain way in front of them, they're they're threatening my sense of security mm-hmm. because my sense of security is derived from what people around me think of me. Um, and that's very helpful to then say, okay, how do I give that to Jesus? Right. And, and not keep that, not like crowdsource my security mm-hmm. to my nearest group of friends, you know? Um, and so it wasn't until I was able to actually recognize that that was the thing that I struggled with to follow it through the anxiety to, okay, I think the thing that's happening here when I feel anxious, when this did not go the way I want is I'm actually feeling threatened and to go, okay, why, why do I feel threatened? Here's mm-hmm. why I feel threatened because my security is in what all these people mm-hmm. think about me. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so it wasn't until I was able to kind of track that down and follow it. Um, it wasn't until that point that I was able to actually, try and deal with it and try and bring it to God and try to like in those moments, spend a moment praying or spend some time journaling afterwards Mm -hmm. or using some of the other spiritual disciplines that, that Nick was talking about earlier um, to, to go after that thing that was identified using this sort of tool. Yeah, that's good. That's a good example. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel like there's a lot of examples of that, but we could go on to four. All right. Number four is stop rationalizing away feelings as impractical or useless. Um, I literally did this talking to Nick when he was talking to me. I was like, I don't, there's no point in feeling angry right now at my parents or whoever, because Mm -hmm. if I just go get angry at them, what are they, they're just gonna be like, I'm sorry. Like Mm -hmm. what, what what do you want me to do now? (laughs) Um, And so I've felt that. And I think part of it is knowing you can, this gets at what Nick was talking about with, are you actually working through the anxieties and depressions Mm -hmm. from the last point? But I felt like I knew what happened to me. I knew it. So, and it all made sense. Mm -hmm. It made sense why I felt insecure. And so it was easy for me when I actually would feel the feelings to just tell myself, I already know this. Like, why is it still happening without actually, um, and rationalize it without actually working through the feeling part. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's, it's not helpful because it just mm-hmm. keeps going. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, I think one thing that is helpful that's, so we're looking at a document right now we that are. has the list and <laughs> the sub point is it is possible to be too solution oriented too yes. quickly. Yes. And I think that, that is that is exactly right. That's mm-hmm. I mean that's what Nick was talking about earlier. That we I think especially the culture at High Point is an excessively conscious mm-hmm. culture that is aware of what's mm-hmm. of how they're being perceived, of what's going on, of how to fix problems, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it can be easy to to repress by turning to okay, what is the solution to the situation, mm-hmm. rather than making yeah. enough space to feel things and. Um, yeah. I think that's an important step in becoming unrepressed is not automatically defaulting to, okay, how can I, how can I bring this feeling into the prefrontal cortex and, and just sort of logic it away. Right. Or even, um, the, theologize it away. Right. Right. Like, well, I know this is true about God. I know this is true about me. So I'm good. It's okay. Yeah. I shouldn't feel this way. No, you still have to, like we were talking about Jesus. Jesus wept about death, even though he knew he could 
He was going to raise Lazarus, but mm-hmm. death is sad. Right. So Jesus still wept. Right. Okay. Um, five, listen open-heartedly to labeling. When someone tells you what something is or means, mm-hmm. um, when you'd be prone to minimize it and not feel. Yeah. This, I, this has been really powerful for me, um, mm-hmm. especially early on in my journey as a Christian. I mm-hmm. was um, meeting with a mentor. His name is Travis. Shout out to Travis. He, I don't think he listens to this podcast, but if you do, Travis... <laughs> Hi, Travis. Know that we're talking about you. Um, and he was just, he was very, very good at at labeling what was going on, which was very helpful mm-hmm. to me because I didn't know what right. was going on. Like, yeah. and I, I needed a little bit of guidance mm-hmm. in the early on portions to be like, I think this is what's happening or this is the thing that's still true about you mm-hmm. or um, this is like what caused you to go down that mm-hmm. path of thinking. And to, I think that the thing that felt sort of self-affirming about it was, Right. When that would be said, I would feel something again. Yes. And it was very helpful to start to, um, a concept that, that Jung uses a lot is the idea of a mental map that Mm -hmm. like you're, um, that within your mental space, like part of what you're doing as you're becoming more, more integrated is you are like exploring the territory more. Mm -hmm. And it felt like that was part of what was helpful about this was like, that was my entry point into the map was to be like, okay, I know that this I think is what's happening right now. So now I can begin to explore a little bit more now that I've been given this thing by somebody else. So not to, to not minimize those, to not turn away from them, Mm -hmm. um, but to Mm -hmm. accept them, especially if they're doing something to you to believe that they're doing something was very, very helpful for me. Right. This has been really important for me in overcoming denial. So I've, there's just been, like decades of, or generations, I should say, decades in my own life, but generations of denial um, in just minimizing bad things that have happened even to other people in my family and just not, so for me, I don't even know when something is bad Mm -hmm. sometimes. Like it's hard for me to name it as that was a terrible thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that was helpful for me, even when I was, when Nick was counseling me was he got mad for me at things that were bad in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've had other friends like cry when I tell them something. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is an important part of including your friends and people who know you really Mm -hmm. well and not just talking to a counselor. Counselors are great. Please go to counseling if you feel like you need to, but um, don't use it as a way to talk to that person and not to anyone else in your life because Mm -hmm. they're the people who are going to they, they're they're the people who have in my life called me out on my denial yeah. like jill you just don't want to feel that right now or that was worse than you're letting on right. or that was bad and i'm gonna cry f- i'm crying because it's sad mm-hmm. and for me at first it's been this experience of kind of watching them like i can't th- it's that bad mm-hmm. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. but then being able to feel all the feelings i've pushed right. away because they have been able to name them for me and give me permission to right act the way they're acting yeah it's kind of like the experience of a lot of a lot of kids who have really troubled childhoods mm-hmm. come out of it like like oh i just thought that to what childhood right, was that like, seems that's normal just, it's just normal right. and it isn't it isn't mm-hmm. until you can sort of you can sort of test out that idea yes. amongst your friends right and they can be like no yeah. no it wasn't yes and no no that thing that you have like have kind of repressed and put away because you thought it was fine or thought mm-hmm. it was just part of a normal experience mm-hmm. is not actually Mm-hmm. that yep um number six if you still have strong negative feelings about event in the past that is more than 14 to 18 months ago it is not resolving that means that there is something mm. that it's doing something in your more primal mind um this so going through there's a uh, nick mentioned that he heard about some of this stuff or or some of the Um, getting into more of the details of how to try and deal with this particular one from a guy named Jordan Peterson. Um, He has a a program called self-authoring, which is not as dumb as it sounds. (laughs) Self-authoring, like, oh, just make yourself whoever you are or whatever. It is not, it is not that. Um, It is a, so it, it splits into three different categories of past authoring, present authoring, future authoring in your past, in the past authoring portion. What it's doing is basically just taking you through this process. You split your life up into a bunch of different chunks of time. In each one of those chunks of time, you write whatever significant memories come to you and you just write about them in detail. And that was something that I did. Um, I think I finished it like a year ago. No, a little, a little more than a year ago. And it is 
it is one of the most significant mm. spiritual things I've done. And what was, so I ended up by the end of this process having like 40 single page pages of just past you did write a book. memories. Right, you right. I did, I did self author. Um, but what was, what was very helpful about it is actually going back to the moment and what he um, encouraged you to try and do, and I think this is this is really helpful to try and do if you try to do this on your own, um, is to get into sort of a reverie state mm-hmm. where you're kind of like, where you're sort of watching the movie of your life um, and to go back to certain different time periods and the different memories that are significant in those time periods. And um, I ended up, when I was doing this, discovering quite a few, yeah, just like Nick was saying, um, kind of clusters of themes of things that had affected me. So one of them in particular was um, just a lot of my early relationship experience was I would, um, it was never difficult for me to get a first date, hmm. but it was difficult to get it past like a fifth date. Hmm. Um, and and part of that was because I was so focused on trying to impress the person that I was going on dates with that it just kind of felt icky to them, I assume. Hmm. Um, and uh, that theme was still affecting the Mm -hmm. way that I was thinking about relationships and the ways that I was thinking about, um, how to, how to pursue one in a healthy way. So Mm -hmm. some things like that. So that was one amongst many, um, some others about like, okay, you know, either, either conform to the group or die. Like I remember a, (laughs) I remember a, like in, I think this is in kindergarten. I went to, um, I had this Packers Halloween costume. So it was like helmet, pads shirt football pants it was awesome and i decided one day that I, not on halloween that i was just gonna wear it to school and awesome. um i just got ruthlessly bullied oh. on the bus and it was like okay confirming take take confirmation note. yes take notes conform or die yes and, and so that became then really like that that idea playing itself out in my mind that mm-hmm. I need to be aware of the group dynamics here. I need to play into them as best mm-hmm. I can. I need to not do something that's outside of the bounds of sort of this normal mm-hmm. group dynamic um, was something that I was, that was playing itself on my actions right. that I just right. didn't know. Yes. Um, so that was very, that process of going back of feeling the things like feeling the feelings that were yep. associated in those memories. Like I would come out of a, of a one hour writing session, just mm-hmm. emotionally exhausted. Yes. Um, but it was, it was profoundly healing. Mm-hmm. And I think in particular, um, for, for healing sort of the quote unquote trauma splitting of right. like, okay, there's yep. this internal self and there's this external mm-hmm. persona for bringing those two together. Mm-hmm. It was very, very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. Yeah. I highly recommend I've recommended to a lot of people doing this process. Self-authoring um, is the name of the particular program yeah. or it's something that you can do on your own right. knowing like, okay, mm-hmm. split your life up into different chunks based on, okay, so I did like before elementary school, in elementary yep. school, in middle school, in high school, and then just think about, okay, what are the significant memories I have from mm-hmm. this time and yeah. are they resolved or not? Right. Another way that I've been going about that, I haven't been doing self-authoring, although I want to, um, is so Nick recommended that I like, cause I've been experiencing flooding where I will ex- like be triggered of a memory, but I'm not really think I don't even know what it is sometimes yet. Mm-hmm. I'll just feel this urge to, um, I'll either feel really afraid or really angry or really sad. Um, and sometimes it just comes out as general anxiety, but I'll just feel it all of a sudden. And so another way to go about this is to, when you feel those emotions, I just, I, right now what I do is I take like 10 minutes, I grab Mm -hmm. my journal, I go and like, think of another time I felt that feeling. And, um, and for me where I was getting stuck was I knew like my big two Mm. big, terrible memories, but Nick, um, helped me, he encouraged me to think of anything. He was like, let your mind wander, sort of what you said, like mm-hmm. this reverie state, and think of anything. It could be a small, tiny thing that happened that was a conf- confirmation of these lies right. that you've believed. Right. And so then, so feel the feeling, go like think for a little bit and reflect on where you felt that feeling before and write that memory down. And then I write down like what the truth is and mm-hmm. in the current moment. And so that's another way to just go about it. But self-authoring sounds great. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that too. Right. Yeah. Um, dreams. So Nick talked about, um, following 
your mm. like taking a moment after you wake up to if you've had a vivid dream especially one that caused significant emotions mm. during the dream to think about the moment you wake up okay what what was going on there yeah. um there have been a couple of times that i haven't seen this like this was never a significant part of my getting unrepressed but there there were a couple of times that i saw um having a dream spending some time journaling about it did give some sort of insight yeah. into oh this is something that mm-hmm. i've been that I've been feeling and this yeah. is what it was touching on. Yeah. I have an example of this. In most of my dreams, I'm either silent or invisible. Mm. And like I'll be screaming sometimes and no one like can hear me or see me. And um, I had never connected. I knew that about my dreams for a long time. Um, and I just thought it was this weird thing. But recently I realized that they're very connected. I mean, that's how I, that's my fear is that I will be alone. Like no one will be there when I need them. Mm-hmm. And even if they are there, they're going to choose not to engage or, or mm-hmm. be there for me. And so it was really helpful. It's intense. Yeah. yeah. I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind yeah. of, it's, that's, yeah, that's maybe a helpful. fun way to go right. about it is like record your dreams. Right. right. Um, um, one thing that I heard too, re- uh, with reference to this is that, um, you don't usually need to like get it doesn't need to be that difficult to analyze your dreams. Right. Like Carl no. Jung writes about how when he would talk to people about this, he would just ask. So they would they would like explain this long mm-hmm. dream to them and be and like all these different layers about this is what was happening. I like met my uncle over here and then we went to this whatever all this mm-hmm. different stuff. Um, and he would just ask them, okay, what do you what do you think it means? And they would be able to just yeah. give an answer. Yeah. But it was before that it was easy to like kind of over put it in your cognitive right. mind and be like, okay, I need to think through all the layers of what are go- what's going mm-hmm. on. I need to talk to my counselor about what layers might be here that I need to be dealing with. And it was just, no, you just need to ask, okay, what did that mean? And usually there was a pretty immediate, mm-hmm. pretty immediate mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. That's good. Uh, do you want to talk more about the J stringer stuff or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can talk okay. more about that. Cool. So um, then the final one on here is J stringer. Uh, he wrote the book called unwanted, which was specifically targeted towards, um, men primarily but men and women dealing with Mm -hmm. unwanted sexual desire um and a question that he asked in that book is is right what kind of sexually broken are you um so i struggled with uh sexual addiction from sixth grade on to a couple years ago um and this was one of the most helpful questions for me Mm -hmm. to to start to ask was to go okay why is it that I'm like, why one, why is it that I'm sexually broken? But two, what is the specific thing that like, I know like I've had discussions with different guys in forgiven and free here at high point church mm-hmm. where asking the question, what type of pornography are you looking at? Or like what, what part in the whole act are you looking at? Or like different questions like that really start to dive into kind of the deeper things that are going on in in these guys hearts and it's it's like getting to that final that final mm-hmm. percentage that's like holding on to either a specific memory right. or a specific feeling um and that was that was very helpful to me to to one um i think a feeling that a lot of guys can have who are stuck in in either pornography use or unwanted sexual desire is there can be a feeling of i don't make any sense like mm-hmm. what I'm doing doesn't make any sense. It's weird. It's out. It's like not normal. And um, what it can do is it can help point towards no. There are there are pretty normal human desires that are going on here, and that has just been used by Satan to kind of mm-hmm. like permutate right. into this different thing mm-hmm. that that is trying to convince you that you're not normal. That like there's something inhuman going on here, and you can usually trace that back to something um, that really helps to get you to the point where you're like, okay, I am a human like other humans. And so God can actually deal with this thing that's right. going on in my life. Um, and he has a bigger, he has a better answer right. for the longing. Like he right. is the answer for the longing of right. love or worth or whatever it is. Right. And so um, he already knows your sin. He's right. not surprised by it. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And so this one's, so this one's obviously yeah. very similar to the, yeah. um, like, the uh, following trails of anxieties mm-hmm. and depressions. Like it's that same sort of idea of sort of interrogating the act and being like, okay, what, what, like why this, mm-hmm. why this now? Um, and actually following that to where it leads can be, can be very helpful. So mm-hmm. 
Great. I have um, one more that I've been doing that's been really helpful. <laughs> um, so I'm confessing denial when it's happening. So a lot of, most of what I need to overcome is like in relationship to other people and letting people into my life. And so what I will often do with friends is kind of brush stuff off or not mention thing. Like if I'm going through something terrible and someone asks me how I'm doing, I feel like I'm oversharing if I say like, I had a bad day. Like <laughs> so, but I'm I'm not letting them in and I've realized how much I'm lying to myself. Mm-hmm. It's it's lying to myself. Um lying is not is not godly. <laughs> it's a sin. So, I'm lying to myself and to other people when I'm not being honest, especially if it's someone I trust. Like right. And so that doesn't mean that you have to share everything with everyone, but if it's people that God has put in front of me who do love me, I'm pushing them mm-hmm. away and then feeling alone and so that's my own fault. So, one thing um I've been doing that is sufficiently humiliating and killing the flesh in me is to like, if that happens and I don't tell someone the truth, I've been going back to them and saying, I was deflecting that moment. I'm sorry that I didn't actually share what I was actually thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because it's a sin and I lying is a sin and for me, I've used it and felt like it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm trying to overcome that in the flesh. So that's something that sounds really helpful. Not very fun, but right. Yeah. Very useful. And there's, yeah, I would add one more onto your two mm-hmm. is something that, something that has kind of been, uh, undergirding all mm-hmm. of these for me that has been sort of the, the, like the mindset shift that had to happen first before mm-hmm. some of these tools really became useful to me was the shift from like a victim mindset to a, yes. to a with God, I can be responsible yes. to move forward in these things. So, so I, I started meeting up with a, um, with a counselor a few years ago to to talk about these different things. And one of the things that he would always say was, okay, it happened. It mattered. Mm-hmm. What now? Yeah. And that's really I think good. that final being asked that final question mm-hmm. and, and recognizing that, okay, there are tools at my disposal that I can you like, I'm not necessarily responsible for the place I am right now. In some ways I, I was responsible for the place that I was at that point, but the, the bigger responsibility is, okay, what if, what am I going to do now? Like, mm-hmm. what are what are the actions that I'm going to take in order to feel the things I need to feel, in order to um, take steps towards uh, those things becoming unrepressed and letting God mm-hmm. come into them and heal them and make mm-hmm. me whole in them? And it was that, that sort of mindset shift that made the other things possible. Because, like, when I first started attending counseling, I just wanted to, like, be mad at my parents and it's mm-hmm. like no that's not helpful right that's like yeah. they were doing they were truly they were doing the best that they could in the yes. particular circumstance yeah. and um the question isn't okay how can i blame other people mm-hmm. for where i am right now but no how can i with god participate in mm-hmm. the in the renewal project that he is working mm-hmm. on in my life and in my heart and um these are some of the tools that have been helpful mm-hmm. in that project yeah and in that, it's important to recognize that you're not, we all are victims in some sense, mm-hmm. but we're not ever only victims. We're right. also perpetrators because often because of how we've been victimized, mm-hmm. we um, hurt other people. Right. <laughs> and so you won't heal until you recognize that you're both of those things. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so that shift, that shift has, has been some of like the the thing that has created momentum mm-hmm. in doing these other things. So that's good. Um, we both have some helpful books listed, but we, c- if you want to go through them, we could, or we could just list them in the show notes. What do you think? Um, do you have ones that you want to specifically touch on? Uh, I will talk about adult children of alcoholics. So mm-hmm. that one is not a Christian book, but it was recommended to me both by my counselor who is a Christian and by Nick, who is a Christian, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it's, um, it talks a lot about, um, so my parents are not alcoholics, but there's been generations of alcoholism in my family. And so my parents are adult children of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And it's when I read it, it's basically the culture of my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very eye-opening. It's stuff I thought was normal that's not normal and that's dysfunctional and harmful. Um, and so I would say this is also true for any sort of dysfunctional family like divorce. I saw a lot of this because of divorce. So I recommend it if you've grown up in a family that's been dysfunctional in some way. It talks a lot about denial and showed me how much I lie. Yeah. 
to myself and others. <laughs> it was hard to read, but it was very, yeah. very good. Right. It was probably one of the most life-changing things I've read. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Then the other ones we have listed are uh, "Changes That Heal" mm-hmm. by uh, Doctor Doctor Henry Clown and John Townsend. Uh, "The Healing Path" by Dan Allender. "Hind's Feet in High Places" was a by Hannah Hernard mm-hmm. was a book that it's it's like an allegory similar to Pilgrim's Progress. But okay, it, I was it say, just, that sounds like an interesting title, right? It just happened to. Um, it was very helpful to me in the particular moment that I was, that I was in. Um, that was, it was helpful to me as I was dealing with depression specifically. Um, another book that was helpful to me was 12 rules for life by Jordan mm. Peterson. That was, uh, some of the things in there are some of the things that were helpful in kind of making that responsibility mindset shift. Um, that's what we've got. Great. And we'll put those in the show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this was helpful for you to start. If this brought up really difficult feelings for you, please reach out to us um, through the podcast email or if you know our, I mean, however, just please right. reach out. Right. We want to we be with you in this, not just throw this on you and say good luck. So, um, but hopefully this was helpful in just first steps for you. Great. Thanks, guys. listening to this episode of the engage and equip podcast if you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org if you'd like to find more episodes you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and other apps like that we hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.